This podcast is proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry. Hi, I'm Gordon Muller. I'm the guru in the Doc and Guru podcast. Thanks for being with us. For those of you who don't know me, I've spent over 40 years in the media industry in South Africa and uh, pretty much made it my home, my life, my passion. I have other passions, unfortunately, for my sins. I'm an Arsenal supporter and a Shark supporter, so we're going to do pretty much everything on the show as it pertains to media, marketing and money, but we don't take jokes about Arsenal or the Sharks. I'm Doug Mateus, uh, the doc on the show. Uh, and again, for those of you who don't know me, I've uh, spent 30 years in, in uh, various companies in South Africa uh, running uh, different marketing functions. And the last job I had, I was privileged in, uh, enough to work with a team that took uh, the brand to the fastest growing brand in South Africa in 2018 with a 47% year-on-year growth. So that was a, a great achievement uh, for the team and, and, and I'm really proud of that. Uh, from a personal point of view, I do a little bit of cycling uh, and also snow skiing. So we quite enjoy that. But again, uh, today's discussion is around all things marketing and media. Yep, that's right, Doc. All things marketing and media. No subject too big, no topic too small, no subject too hot to handle please get in touch with us on our facebook page follow us like us whatever it takes we would love you to be involved with the show and uh, we really want to make it as inclusive and as energetic as i know this industry is capable of gordon good morning how are you doing I'm doing well, Doug. And it's, I mean, last week you had your face mask on. You got the full body suit today. Um, <laughs> you should be all right. Your voice is sounding good. Your eyes are clear. Your nose isn't running. I'm back. So. Uh, recovered from my quick trip to the States. It's always tough on the body, but uh, always good to be back here. And uh, today, again, another interesting guest, uh, Gordon, Pepe Marie. Yeah, it's Head great of, to see Pepe again. Yeah. I mean, I had the pleasure of working with him for a while. A bit worried about his new uh, conservative image. You used to have those dodgy shoes that you wore for a while. Is that uh, with the curly toes, those clown shoes? Are that gone, Pepe? You know what they say about brands, eh? We have to evolve. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was a very good campaign that took me in good stead it for the first 20 did. years. <laughs> and I'm in the second 20 years of my past. <laughs> so if you don't know... Uh, in the unlikely event uh, that you don't know who Pepe is, Pepe is uh, the co-founder and head of creative at Joe Public, one of the independent uh, creative houses, and we'll chat a little bit about that. Pepe, from our side, thanks. I know we're all busy, and thanks for making the time. It's really nice to see you again. Awesome, and thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate yeah. it. So, Doug? Pepe, yeah, I think Doc. let's just jump into it. And I think one of the things people who follow you, people who look at, at the work you're doing, besides the creative and some of the great work coming out of Joe Public, you talk a lot about purpose, purpose in your work, purpose in creativity, in advertising. Now, I guess some people would say, why don't you just get on and, and make some ads, you know, and stop with this purpose stuff. But I want to know, and I'm very interested in purpose. I want to know, what do you mean by purpose? What is your purpose? And how has that influenced your thinking and the work at Joe Public? So I'm going to give you a long version. You take mm -hmm. what you think is appropriate. Um, so it started with a personal journey. So I'm also learning now that, that you know, there's, there's explicit learning, like book learning, and then there's tacit learning, like more sort of intuitive that you learn through experience. Mm -hmm. So my journey with purpose started with me, firstly, our business going bankrupt, 
um, my relationship falling apart with my wife, um, discovering that my so-called good deed of donating money to AIDS orphanage was linked more to my ego wanting to make music and being more about me than that, serving other people, um, not making money at all out of advertising when I had huge ambitions to make money out of the business. So, so it's a huge midlife trauma um, and actually discovering through that, and, and I call it traumatic because it was really I hit a brick wall in 2006 uh, and the business went pretty much under and I went on a search and I discovered life purpose. So before I came to business purpose, mm. I discovered life purpose. And I was interested by it because I've always been strategic as a creative person. And I'm also, I'm a business person. I'm an entrepreneur. And I actually, it resonated with me because it seemed like a more profound strategy. So at that stage, if you ask me why do I exist, I wouldn't have a clue. Mm. If you ask me what's my five-year plan, let alone my 10 or 25 year plan, I would have said, I'm living for the weekend, mm. rock and roll. Yeah. So it was a deep personal learning. I applied it to my life and my life spectacularly changed um, because I'm an applicator. So when I find new knowledge, I apply. I don't just, I don't have intention. Mm. I mean, intention's kind of one thing, but 90% is actually action. Mm. So I acted on the knowledge, changed my life profoundly, and, and I just asked myself the question, you know, if I'm a human being, can a business be a business being? Mm. Does it have a greater purpose than its name given to it by its founders, Joe mm. Public, yeah. Joe for short? And does it have a greater purpose beyond A, making money? Because business textbooks now, I'm doing an MBA at the moment, they teach you, and I, I define it in every one of my assignments, that businesses exist to make money for shareholders. Mm. I know for a fact that is not correct, and that's probably one of the key reasons why, bigger than the coronavirus at the moment, the challenge the world's facing is businesses are failing. Mm. And economically, that's a huge disaster we're facing. Mm. Um, and brought that thinking into our business uh, in 2009, and it spectacularly changed the trajectory of the business. Um, so that's just a bit of a, mm. a broader where it comes from. Mm. Uh, we can get into what exactly it means, mm. bringing it into the business, and then taking the business forward based on purpose rather than making money. And that's lived today by, by your people, Pepe? No. Um, this is the interesting thing. Y you know, life is all about application. So the writing could be on the wall, mm. I always related to smoking kills on my mm. box of smokes when I used to smoke for 18 years of my life. Mm. And when I drink, that uh, potted like <laughs> we used to. And some people still do, but yeah. I would smoke like 60 cigarettes. Yeah. And every yeah. on a good night, I'll have a couple of bottles of wine and smoke literally like three boxes of 20. Yeah. yeah. And it would say smoking kills. So that's the knowledge. Yeah. But the knowledge okay. is not powerful until I apply the knowledge. Yeah. Mm. So, mm. so to me, it's all about application. Mm. I would say in our business, Probably 35% of our people, because we measure it, mm. so actually okay. factually, 38% is the data, are striving to live the purpose every day, mm. because application is so difficult for people as it is for brands. Yeah, and and I guess I guess the difficulty. Sorry, Gordon, just no, no, one no, last no, thing. I, I guess the difficulty, I suppose, in such a client-centric business as yours, is that perhaps some of the clients you work with are money-driven. 
In other words, their purpose, much like you were saying in the textbooks, are to make money, to survive, to meet the next quarter's numbers, whatever the case may be. So I suppose there's that uh, difficulty between, say, your people who want to live a purpose, working with a client who perhaps, in, in your view, isn't necessarily purpose-driven, but more so bottom-line driven, etc. 100%. Yeah. Um, and it makes it tricky, but I think it is, it's not new knowledge. Mm. You know, this debate on brands with purpose mm. been around since 211 it's yeah. already a decade yeah but i don't think people are completely clear what it means mm. and also once i don't think they're clear on how to really find it mm. i've done literally i've done my ten thousand hours i'm actually doing i'm working towards a phd i think you've got yours yeah i have yeah. i'm working towards mine on this as a subject as a key subject to put data behind it okay um a, a purpose yeah. in business you mean uh, I'm still in two minds what my paper is going to be on, whether it's on purpose in business or bringing purpose into education. Okay. Because the the sooner you ca- catch the human being with his thinking mm. and introduce it into their mindset, the better. Because once what I find is when you post 30s, mm. you don't want to change. Yeah. And sometimes your life's actually pretty good. Mm. You know, you've got a good income, you've got a good job, it's mm. good enough, but you don't realize it can be spectacular yeah. on yeah. all levels, yeah. including mm. financial. Mm. Mm. Um, but I think, <laughs> but I think you know, you talk about age, Gordon, and sometimes. Why are you looking at thing? me when you talk about no. it? <laughs> we should look at no, each I should, other. I, 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 I mean, if there, was a, if there was a mirror, I'd be looking at past you at the mirror. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at you to, to hope you can contribute to, to my point. Uh, and that is that sometimes, you know, you know, there's that adage, learn, unlearn, relearn. We, we've all seen it become cliched. But I think as you get older, you get stuck. Mm. And you say, but do I really have to? You know, is it, is it really for me? And, and I think that's a bold thing, you know. So certainly, and not just purpose in business, but, uh, you know, change as a, as a notion is, is not an, always an easy thing to do, but sometimes a necessary thing on, on one's path. Not, not yeah, but look, that, that, that's really something which you know is intriguing for me so we talked about i know you have always dis- well you describe yourself as a as a purpose advocate mm-hmm. and one of the earlier discussions we had uh with Marte Akabe from ACA was in the, the modern context you know what is the purpose of an advertising agency now you've also introduced change and one of the things which intrigues me is how on earth i've lived long enough in advertising to be in a world where the top agency in the world is an auditing group called Accenture, and when they figured out they they didn't have enough understanding of the true purpose of an ad agency, they just bought Drago Five. So, I mean, have we changed at all? What is the purpose of an ad agency in 2020 as opposed to 1970 odd when I joined one? What's shifted? What's the change? What's the purpose? So, you see, uh, tricky question. Let Good. Because it's got two layers to it. So, often... In branding, in any business, you will relate the purpose of the business to your product or your service. So you go, um, if, if, if I've got a product like, let's say, like a Coca-Cola, then my purpose is to, my purpose is to supply my drinks to my consumer uh, as a first base. So as an ad agency, on a top-line level, I would say the purpose of the industry is to create a product that assists our clients to sell their, their products. That's what it should be. And if you look at what the end consumer consumes, it is actually that creative product. And I'm also not conscious I'm sitting here speaking with a creative lens mm. as a creative leader. Mm. But I'm also a business leader. You know, if I look at Steve Jobs as a CEO, he was not finance obsessed. He was product obsessed. He was more product obsessed than his designers. Mm. 
I mean, if you listen to all of his content, that was what he obsessed about as the CEO, as the business person. I think what's happened was, um, and it is a global thing, but even on a local level, globalization, um, global companies buy local companies, the mandate for the business leaders become to deliver financial results overseas, and that becomes the purpose of that business, mm. to make money for its overseas shareholder. Where in essence, the purpose of that business should be to supply a product to its clients that's going to assist that client to grow. Now, of course, that product has got linked to its strategic thinking, creative thinking, a level of service, mm. but that's where the focus should be. I, I'm actually sometimes, not dumbfounded, it's a bit hectic, but I suppose I'm surprised that something so simple can be so complex can become so complicated like a restaurant mm. you go there for the food and the service in that order not mm. for the service and the food you go for the food and the service mm. and third maybe the ambiance that's what an ad agency is about and i think i think we started selling like i mean i'm not a non-believer in the importance of data but data is secondary to what we should be selling which is ideas thinking we should be selling our thinking um and it's interesting. So we all eat it up, and yes. So now it's interesting that the whole globe, it's all becoming now about numbers and data and all this talk. But, I mean, if I see what's going on in the social space, we can factory spend three, 400,000 rand in time behind a tweet. And if you're on Twitter, you know how much that thing lives for like one second. And you mm. might have 10 million followers, but five will see it. Mm. So are we in an interesting space? Mm. But if you ask me what happened, I think it's, it's been a, we've forgotten what this industry is about. And this industry traditionally has been about, as you say, the thinking about the idea and whether mm. you express that idea now on Twitter or on YouTube or on conventional TV, the fundamental pr principle remains the same. But we're also living in, in a world where political correctness mm. seems to completely obviate making any provocative statement at all you mm. i mean you we you would i guess there's a newer phrase and push the envelope but you were always trying to push the envelope you were mm. challenging me as a consumer now with regulation i mean is it possible how, how, how do you balance political correctness with provocative creativity well i think what is it called now the a is it the a arb arb the old yeah. so so we had a very big run-in with the arb now, of course, I understand that we need to self-regulate. The last thing you want is for government to regulate the industry. I'm very interested we're not regulating to that level just news. I mean, the trauma that just general news must cause, but once a brand's attached it, you want to regulate it. And we had a severe run-in with them early on last year. We lost that case, which, which again makes me question the level of thinking um, in terms of just in terms of critical thinking that goes into that process because how can you allow one consumer we even we, we actually went and research and spent a couple hundred thousand rand on data to collect what was people's real views outside of the social space and 96 percent of people were not offended by this piece of work at all and the four percent that had a bit of a problem to it they actually they only had a problem with it because it became newsworthy. So they wouldn't have had it if it didn't escalate. And still, they ruled based on one person's emotion 
um, against this piece of work, yeah. which economically could have been a disaster in a country where we should be employing people. So it, it's that, and but we push back hard there, and I think they will think twice before they just go and well, make an initial have, ruling. Yeah, we're going to have Gail in, I think, in a, in a week or two just yeah. to, to pick up on the discussion. But it, it, it becomes a challenge, you know, what offends one amuses another. So, Buffelsfontein uh, Bart Willie. Yeah, you know, bedaff yourself, your rover blicks, and yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily enjoy being portrayed as a pot-bellied, bry-brying, beer-swilling idiot. But actually, you know, you take it on the chin because they're very, very funny, and it's yeah. it's a it's a stereotype, but it's an amusing stereotype. I mean, if we applied that kind of ARB ruling to stand-up comedy, I mean, you wouldn't be allowed. No, no stand-up comic would be allowed on stage. So, where where do you draw the well, line? Well, any right? form of entertainment. Or any form of entertainment. Any form of entertainment. Yeah. I mean, if you go and look at the the Wolf of Wall Street, then that must be banned in South Africa yeah, to absolutely. any viewer because yeah. they're throwing dwarfs around. Yeah. You know. So, so now you you you're going and you're doing something outrageous in that piece of content against a minimalized small category of people, etc., etc., etc. And and anyone can wake up on any day in a bad mood and then have a problem. So if you're going to make a joke about being called Steve, now that's another thing. Or mm-hmm. if I'm going to be a skinny guy and someone says something about skinny people, I'm going to complain to skinny people. Like, so what do you do? So then let's just run, what, blank screens? or mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a very contentious So, yeah, we've issue. got to shift the, the mm-hmm. dynamic. So uh, let's, let's not go too far down that line because it was obviously there's a legal implication in that as well. But, I mean, one area where you've personally had a tremendous role to play in shifting perceptions has been pendurings. I mean, back if, when you go back to the initial Penduring Awards, it was built and Berger and it was Volksmont, Saver Volksmont. You know, I mean, any attempt to, to play with that formula would have been a disaster. And yet it's just morphed into something really incredibly exciting. It's more culturally in, in, involving of, of everybody. How have you morphed it from what it was to, to what it is now? And what is it now? So, so let me not claim too much of it, but I, I can say... Uh, with confidence that I've had many meetings with a then Arctic of your board advocating um, the importance of of transformation and and I think that is why us we as a business may not be where we should be yet but we are a hell of a long way from where we started when we set out in fact we started transforming our business before there was a scorecard mm. because we really believe that diversity and creativity goes hand in hand and if you want to speak to diverse markets so this is what happens behind the Mm. scenes but at the same time there was a space in my mind for award show that is purely vernacular and for Pendorum to open itself up and actually be a vernacular awards show where it's all languages excluding English was always just a very amazing opportunity because um, the Luris is now African and Middle Eastern Award. It's not a proudly just South African award. Mm. So, so it was just an opportunity. Mm. And I think through those discussions and definitely with new management that came in that's managing the show now, they've transformed that show in the last two years to a level that I'm super excited mm. about because it just feels like a truly South African yeah. um, award show. And maybe that bit of competition will push the Luris to which they are doing. Funny enough, the mm. Luris is also transforming faster, but not at the rate because once you shut down English, I mean, instantly you've got a local 
Vinak Award. Yeah. And, and yet the, the, the uh, excuse one might use for shutting down English kind of went out the window with the uh, Cairns Awards this year with the was it Travel Lodge, I think, but mm. incredibly powerful vernacular City radio Lodge. campaign, which was one yeah. of the most exciting things I think that's happened to radio yeah. in decades. You're listening to The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media. Doc, just to, just to give you an idea of where this has come from, back in the day when we had the Rand Easter show, believe it or not, Deep Purple came to play in South Africa. Most people don't know that, okay? And the reason I remember that is because we tried to run an ad and a report. So we had the whole thing. It was an Afrikaans ad, but it featured the rock group, mm. Deep Purple. They wouldn't run the ad because I wouldn't translate Deep Purple. So but that is the name of the rock group. So I'd rather turn the ad away. So that's mm. where yeah. it was to where it is now, which I think yeah. is, is mm. quite remarkable. Yeah. So, yeah, any, uh, Doc, I mean, a couple of points which, which in terms of your multifaceted kind of thing, I mean, you're the chairman of the One School at a Time project. How, how you, you say, you know, you, you have to have a good wife, so you've, you're doing endurings, you're doing this, you're running a business, you're doing a doctorate. How do you balance all these things? Tell us a bit about One School at a Time as well. So, so that, I suppose, is the insight. So early on, uh, we spoke about sort of the broader purpose of a business sector, but within that sector because I've done so much work on this as a subject matter, every single business has got a very unique purpose um, beyond just its product and its service. Now that I know for a fact, um, I've just come back from Mauritius, I run a workshop there as well. I do that, it's another little, it's not a side project, but it's, it's more collecting ways of how to help businesses discover their deeper purpose. What I find is once you find your life's purpose, your energy actually increases as you develop so some my capacity has just it's just daily increasing to do more as long as i focus on where my areas of importance lie so right now i know my most important area is the growth of the product of our business to daily improve our creative excellence because that's the value add to our clients and then second that uh, the strategic excellence well in fact the strategic excellence actually drives the creative excellence so those are hand in hand and then the service excellence holds that together. Mm. But to drive that excellence within our business, critical number one for me. My second thing I'm focusing on is to obtain my my MBA. I'm in my second year now and then hopefully get into my PhD because that's towards my interest in education. Um, and my third part is, is to continue. F I've been doing it now for 12 years to together with one person in our organization, Bronwyn. Um, to continue our journey towards learning more about township schools and the state of education in our country, which is a disaster. It's a factual disaster. It should be exposed. I was at a, a, a presentation yesterday with the ex-head um, of Stats South Africa, and he showed the, the data, which I'm aware of, but he showed it in depth. Mm. It's a crisis. So, so that's a huge passion point, and of course, um, remaining a committed husband and father because my son's only 11 years old you know so I, I, I can't compromise that but those are my key areas of focus and 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 I focus on that but I find that having purpose it gives me that that very high high level of energy to drive these missions of mine in life mm. and I mean just linking in with that Pepe last year you brought out your first book Growing Greatness 
Tell us a little bit about it, why should people go out and buy it, how is it done? I had the benefit of sitting through a presentation uh, at, the, at the launch when you did it. So um, just for the sake of our listeners out there, tell us a little bit about that, uh, about the process and why people should go out and get it. So I was unbelievably insecure to write a book because I had no intention to write a book. I was asked. Um, and then when I got myself, when I agreed, because there's potentially an opportunity to inspire younger people into entrepreneurship, which was part of why I jumped at it, because I thought, okay, I'm going to focus on younger people to get into their own business at a younger age. And then I, I decided I'm going to write this book, and if it can touch one person's life. So I didn't have any intention to make money or mm. to sell a lot of books i just thought if i can touch one person and that took the pressure off me to write this book mm. as it turned out it became a bestseller at exclusives um, i'm in second print now i get mm. a quite a bit of money coming into my account every month mm. but more profound for me is i get feedback it's now it launched in 2018 around october so mm. really a year and a half almost away mm. every single day excluding weekends because I'm not on social, but mm. every single day I get messages from someone who read this book. And at the heart, heart of the book is purpose, mm. life purpose and business purpose. So I'm, I'm, I was trying to use it as a tool to change our approach to life and to business. Mm. And so far it's gaining traction. So, mm. Well, that's great. That's great news. And I mean, and I believe you, Busy looking at a second book. I think you've started with a draft. Uh, how far are you and, and what is, and if you can, I, I don't mean to talk yeah. out of school here, but if you can give us a snippet of what to expect in the second book. Yeah. So it's, it's, this is, so what I've also learned now is what we do in life, we have these ideas and they normally come from an unconscious space. So they come from a space we don't even understand. Then, and I see this in business and I see this in personal life. And then we assess these ideas with our brains which are not the cleverest thing um, and then we override it so I know now for a fact our, our gray matter processes at 2000 bits per second supercomputers at 10 billion bits per second mm. but mm. our unconscious at 400 billion bits per second so the processing power of our unconscious is, is literally two tons versus one gram mm. of what's sitting between our ears but we still follow what's sitting between our ears, sure. mm. not our hearts. Mm. But now mm. I know this intuitively. Mm. So I had this idea to write a second book when I was literally man down last year because of the pressure of the first quarter. Mm. A massive, um, we had a, a big bump start last year. Mm. Uh, and then with the election and all the politics. And I was on, felt like deathbed, but it wasn't. And I had an idea. I thought, well, what differentiates us from success in all areas of life, not just financial success, but it includes mm. financial success. Mm. So on all levels, what different, what, is, what makes the difference? And I realize it's habits. Mm. It's our habits and it's not good or bad habits. I call them in my book, liberating and limiting habits. Yeah. So I don't want to mm. judge a habit. I don't want to suddenly say smoking's bad or drinking's bad because actually it's the bad that inspires the good. Mm. For example, I think this tenor of Jacob Zuma might have driven consciousness up as to what should be the correct behavior of government. Mm. And looking back, we might find that he played a very critical role. So was he good or bad? Mm. So, so I didn't want to make a judgment. So the book's about habits, and it's about me proposing 
what liberating habits you can use in life to exchange them with your limiting ones. And I'm just using as example 20 of my most limiting habits that I've exchanged through my journey with liberating habits and Mm -hmm. how they've changed my life. Okay. And Pepe, when when can we expect to see this on on the bookshelf? So it's launching. So I've signed another contract, so you can't get out of it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you got it right. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's it's, uh, it's a, got a lucky little thing that I'm doing though, because the idea was, I'm interviewing smokers. Yeah. And I'm timing their smoking speed. Yeah. And then I time their reading speed. Okay. And then I work out how how long the length of a chapter must be while they smoke a cigarette. Oh uh, yeah. And then I question them what's their most limiting habit. Yeah. And none so far have answered. Smoking, yeah. which is exactly what I'm looking for yeah, because yeah. I'm looking for limiting habits like I talk ugly language to myself in my head. Yeah. You know this thing, I'm mm-hmm. such a fucking oh, idiot. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that's that's yeah. a limiting habit. Sure, sure. Or procrastination is a limiting habit. Yeah. You know, um, swearing could be in some instance a limiting habit yeah. depending. So I'm using all their habits and then I'm writing, if there's similarities to mine, I'm using my life experience to unlock these as a parallel parallel. i'm Mm. writing each chapter for each of them so i'm actually writing this book for 20 people okay all right um and they're going to be in the book and the smoke's going to be in the book and hence because it's about smoking but it's not it's launching on the 10th of the 10th of 2020 so i can't get out of the date because it's 10 and 10 is 20 and 20 habits (laughs) 20 habits that break habits and it's okay it's around this little social experience i think all right so just I mean, the big picture, we a week or two ago had Dr. Nick Ebel on here talking about he'd come out uh, after the World Cup in Germany uh, to look at South Africa in 2010. How would we become a winning nation? You know, what could we learn from, from Germany to make ourselves a winning nation? So, I mean, is can we extrapolate? What, you know, how do you find your purpose as a nation? Because we had mm. a purpose, or we thought we had a purpose, which has now become very unfashionable. We thought that you know a rainbow nation was a purpose, and now it seems it isn't a purpose. Can we? Are there macro learnings that we can apply as a nation? Fascinating, you ask this question, Gordon, and I'm waiting. I'm hoping that there's some destiny at play, and at some stage. So, so we've got we busy picking up some for the first time in our trajectory. We're starting to land some significant government business. I'm hoping that that's going to give me an in, because I have no doubt. I'm this is I'm not dogmatic as a person, but I'm resolute on this. You will never get me off this point in this lifetime. That everything starts with finding the one word that you stand for in life as a starting point. One word. How you unpack that word is different. So, so if if your word was love, so Doug words mm. was your words also love, and my words also love, the meaning of that love might differ. Your purpose might be to be the most loving husband, father that you can ever be in this lifetime. That could be your purpose. There's nothing wrong with it. But without knowing it, you would mm. not know that that's your focus in life. Mine might just be to be the most loving school principal. And yours might just so, so mm. but it starts with one word and why it resonates with me when I discovered this insight. At that stage I could only think of three brands in the world that stands for one word. At that stage, if you ask people Toyota what it stands for, people will play back reliability. Mm. Volvo safety and Woolworths quality. So from a communication point of view, I thought, geez, that's powerful because how many brands define themselves so powerfully that you know externally that they stand for one word? Mm. 
There's 40,000 businesses listed across all the stock exchanges in the world. I can still only find three. So the opportunity is massive. So so for me, oh, I'm so sorry, you're going to have to cut this. What was the question? I'm <laughs> We're just trying here. to say, can can we find our purpose? Oh, How do we find our purpose my, as a that, nation? There we go. So, thank you. <laughs> that's exactly the point. So I'm, because I absolutely believe that that's what's needed in our country. You know, because now we do the typical thing. We're chasing GDP, like we're chasing bottom line. Mm-hmm. But if you, the bottom line is called the bottom line because it's at the bottom. It should be at the bottom of your list of priorities. It's a byproduct of a list of other focuses. I know that intuitively. I know it through experience. I know it through how our business work. The more we focus on our purpose, the more the money comes in. It's incredible. There's not one country in this world that has a greater purpose. Not one. Mm. There's such an opportunity for this country. So, yes, give me half a chance mm. with the executive team of this country. But then again, you have to question. You have to find something greater than the tenor of a president. It needs to be greater than. It needs to live for 100 to 300 years. It needs to be that, that like crystal. Mm. But you're completely right. There's such an opportunity to change this country if you find a greater purpose and I always thought if you can do it collectively, you can use advertising to extrapolate it out of a collective process through people. You know, you mm. can get millions mm. of people to contribute to the process, to, to make it significant. So it's not just a couple of bosses at the top. Yeah, and I yeah. think I mean, that's something we've seen, Doug, uh, in, in a number of the podcasts that, you know, a brand these days has got to be more than the product offering. It has to have a conscience. It has to have a, and it has to show how that conscience lives day to day in a functional level. Yeah. You've, you've just got to actually engage, but it's hard to know where to engage if, if that purpose isn't clear. Doc? Can I give you one? Yeah, oh, please. Yeah, yeah. Okay. If you want to use this, use it. On a, on just a last little input on that, the beautiful book by Phil Knight, um, Shoe Dog. Shoe Dog. And, I don't know how many people read that towards the end of the book, but he says, we all understand We all understand the function of blood in our bodies. If it doesn't flow, we die. But if you ask me why do I exist, I don't say to make blood. Mm. So we all understand why that money is the lifeblood of business. Mm. We, we get that. Without the money flowing, the business will die. But I don't wake up every morning to make blood. And I think that's a very fundamental shift. Mm. And hopefully through our journey going forward we can help businesses discover their greater purpose base our advertising on greater purpose and potentially bring purpose to our country mm. what's and what's the uh, just to wrap on that point then what's the the easiest way for for people to contact you to, to explore the the purpose issue i mean it, it seems all your initiatives entrepreneurial mm. social all converge at this so is it the purpose-driven Pepe they should uh, contact on on Twitter? What's the easiest way to get hold of you? So I'm on Twitter, Pepe at, uh, Pepe at, at Pepe Marais, uh, P-E-P-E-M-A-R-A-I-S. And anyone who contact me there, I normally feed my email and my contact details when people reach out. I'm very active. I mentor a lot of entrepreneurs, and I'm, mm. I'm very passionate about this. Great. Thanks, Pepe. And I, and, and I think from... From our side on on the podcast, and Gordon and I have tried to do this every week. We talk to people about getting involved. You know, it's not about two or three of us in a studio talking to people. It's talking with people. You know, this is just a thought starter, a dialogue. And, and again, gr- thank you so much for your time. I know we're all busy. But, I mean, two people out there, please get involved. You know, Pepe's yeah. now giving you an invite. Um, 
don't be that person who says, I wish I could have, I should have, but didn't, you know, and it's about a habit, you know, it's about breaking perhaps the habit of, of leaving it for tomorrow, rather do it today, get a hold of Pepe, get a hold of us, you know, and be part of the dialogue, because collectively, we want to make the country, its brands, its companies, its people, a better, a better one for everyone. Couldn't agree more, Doc, honestly, and I think one of my concerns in recent years has been that so much of this dialogue has been taking place behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's going on because you can't get on the committee, and you can't get on the committee because you don't know what's going on. So I think with social media now, access to people like yourself, and, and please use the podcast that was created for that reason. Let's have the dialogue. Let's let, let everyone be exposed to the discussion. Are there questions you would like us to raise, things you'd like us to cover? Please just flag us on any one of the uh, the platforms that you're on, and we'll, we'll pick it up. So, Pepe, thank you so much for, for coming, and I really find that fascinating. And, Doc... Looking good in that uh, all cover <laughs> coronavirus suit of yours, but hopefully next time you can take it off. <laughs> all good. Gordon, thanks uh, again for your time. Pepe, thanks for uh, your time. I very appreciated the yeah. opportunity, so thank you to you. Thanks, and uh, Gordon, we'll catch, uh, I'll catch you and everyone else next week. Indeed. And so that was another episode of The Doc and the Guru. Please don't uh, forget to get a hold of us on Facebook, like us, follow us, uh, subscribe to the podcast. And then from my side, you can get a hold of me on LinkedIn, Dr. Doug Mataz. I'm uh, very active and very keen to hear about your views uh, and certainly will respond. And hopefully we can bring that into the show. Thanks, Doc. And it's uh, Gordon Muller, the guru, signing off. Thank you for being with us and listening into this podcast today. You can pick up the discussion with me on my Twitter handle, at Mzanzi Media. And I'd love to engage with you on any of the issues that we've taken on in the show. And take us at our word. This is really going to be an open forum. There are no subjects that are taboo. And we'd love to have some of the younger, more under-listened, if that's the correct phrase, uh, voices to join us uh, in this discussion. Thanks for your time. The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry.